on when the Holy Spirit moves mouths to praise God. Here we have this moment when the wonders of God are being spoken. They're being spoken in all these different languages so that my heart language, my home language, the language I grew up speaking, I'm hearing God be praised. And I want to know how that works. It's interesting, the crowds are trying, they want an answer. Even the, the people who make fun, even the people who say, oh, they've had just too much wine, they're just babbling and talking nonsense, even that is an attempt by the crowd to come up with an answer. They are trying to make sense of what they're seeing. And church, I'll just make a little aside here. The fact that you care about God and that you come together, especially on a day like this, when there was a bit of risk, that you come together and you sing the songs that you just sang and that you say the words that you have said and that, and that you take this bread and take this wine and, 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 and that you share this fellowship, that puzzles the people around you. By your actions, by your words, you praise God and people want to know why. And there will be people who will make fun and they'll come up with all kinds of explanations that are not very flattering to you as to why you do what you do. That is a natural result when people praise God. That is a natural thing for the world to do. But what's nice about this story is a lot of the people whose curiosity was excited were ready to hear. They wanted to know. I suspect even some of the ones who said, oh, they're just drunk. It's early morning, but they've been out carousing all night. They're just drunk and talking nonsense. I suspect some of them were some of the first ones who responded at the end. Because people want to know why you are acting so weird. So maybe our first takeaway this morning is Christians... Keep being weird. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praising God with your life and with your words. So Peter steps up and says, I'm going to tell you what this is. And it shouldn't be unfamiliar to you. And he starts off, he has a lot of scripture in his sermon. Look at verses 14 through 21. He says... These people, starting in verse 15, because I already read 14. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of that great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he's quoting... From the second chapter of Joel, if you go to the little book of Joel, which I hope we're going to start studying on Wednesday nights here, among some other prophets from the Old Testament for this next quarter. If you go to that little prophet Joel, that passage that Peter has just quoted is in the second half of chapter 2 of Joel. 
And it's encased between two other prophecies, prophecies where God says, whatever your enemies have been doing to you, I'm going to overturn their plans against you. However your enemies have have beaten you down and have scattered you, I'm going to gather you together. It's a gathering passage. And you'll know that the last days are coming when this outpouring of the Holy Spirit starts happening. It's a great moment. A lot of people get hung up on this passage. There's some controversy associated with this in modern times. They get, well, what about the visions? What about the moon turning to blood? I think the thing to focus on here, I think, I think you can miss the point by getting caught up in the little details. Who gets visions? Who dreams dreams? Who is the spirit being poured out on in this passage? That's the, that's the headline. Who is getting it? It's not the odd prophet called from birth like Jeremiah or Isaiah who's granted a special vision of God or Elijah and Elisha occasionally the Holy Spirit coming on people. What's the headline of Joel chapter 2? Who gets the Holy Spirit? Hey, we're all towards the front. You guys can talk to me today. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit, right? Everybody is getting the Holy Spirit. Young men, old men, everybody's getting it. And everybody's acting like a prophet. And everybody's acting like a priest. And everybody's acting like God has empowered them personally. This is not just the odd judge like Deborah or, or the odd king like David or the odd prophet like Elijah. Everybody, that's what God has in mind. The Holy Spirit now spreading out to gather his people in. To gather his people in. There's actually a stealth quotation of Joel 2 at the very end of Peter's speech. When at the very end, over in chapter 42, I think it is, 41. uh, Nope, sorry. This promise is to you and to all who are far off. To you, your children, and all who are far off. That last little phrase is also to all whom the Lord will call. That is also part of that Joel 2 prophecy. So Joel 2 is kind of the framing scripture that Peter uses in uh, in his sermon. And it's about gathering in what have been scattered taking all the individuals who've been beaten by sin and beaten by the enemies of God and molding them into something that is new, powered by God's Spirit. Here's point number one. Peter has four signposts to Jesus. Four, sorry. Uh, Peter has four signposts to Jesus. Point number one, you are seeing what prophecies like Joel 2, 28 through 32 have long been telling you that God would gather in his people through the Holy Spirit to save all who call on the Lord. To save all who call on the Lord. That's what verses 14 through 21 are talking about. Peter's second signpost to Jesus. 
verses 22 and 23. Let's read them. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Peter's second point is a dual point. God clearly showed you that Jesus is the Christ through signs, wonders, and miracles. But you killed him on the cross. What you're seeing today is a fulfillment of the prophecies like Joel. The Holy Spirit beginning to gather people in, being poured out on all flesh. Not only that, but you yourselves know some of the miracles that Jesus did, and there are many others that you can find out about. You had plenty of evidence to know Jesus was the Christ, and you conspired with the Romans you hate to put Jesus on the cross. That's point number two of Peter's sermon. Point number three, verses 24 through 32. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his body, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Point number three, signpost number three in this sermon that Peter is preaching is that just as David has prophesied in places like Psalm 16, God raised Jesus from death. God raised Jesus from death. And Peter steps up and says, we are all witnesses. I really like the fact that Peter is front and center and he's pointing to all of his friends who also are witnesses to the resurrection and says, Put us on test. Put us on trial. Interview us. Talk to us. We don't mind. That's what this is all about. Church, talking to people about Jesus is never going to be a logically neutral, impersonal activity. I would love for there to be You know, some kind of an argument you could give that I could teach you where you could take your own self and your own personal risk out of the equation. And I could just give you the 17 points you could make 
to force somebody to accept Jesus and become a Christian. I wish it worked like that. It doesn't. I could put that in an app. We could have an, a conversion app for that. You know, I mean, we could do. But that's never, apparently, that's not God's plan. Talking to people about Jesus, you always have to, at some point, step up and say, and, and I'm a witness. I mean, you didn't get to see Jesus resurrected from the dead, but you're a witness to what Jesus can do. And you're supposed to talk about it. And you're supposed to put yourself on the line about that. You're supposed to say, this is what I know about Jesus personally. Put me to the test. Ask me about it. I'm willing to be a witness for him. So he says, you killed him. You collaborated with the hated Romans to kill him. God overturned your verdict and raised him from the dead. That's the third of the four signposts Peter lays out. Signpost number four, Acts 2, verses 33 through 35. 33 through 35. Let me find it here. I don't have my reading eyes on. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, well, I'm going to hold the therefore for a second. Fourth signpost, coming back to the beginning. Why did the crowd gather? Why were they curious? What were they asking about? They were asking, how come we see this Holy Spirit manifestation, this, this speaking in tongues, what's going on? Peter says, this is a fulfillment of all those prophecies like Joel that God eventually has a plan to send his Holy Spirit together in his people. That's what started here today on the day of Pentecost. It's because of Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, who did miracles, you saw them, and even so you conspired with the wicked Romans in order to put him on a cross. God raised him from the dead. We're standing here as witnesses to you that God raised him out of that tomb that you put him in. And now, the fact that you're hearing us speak in tongues and praise God in all these languages is a sign that Jesus has been taken just as has been prophesied in places like Psalms 110, He has been taken to sit at the right hand of God. From there, he has been able to pour out this Holy Spirit that we are now experiencing. In other words, Peter ties it back. What you're seeing now is a sign that Jesus is actually seated at the right hand of God. He said that's what would happen. When he gets to heaven, when he is at at the right hand of God, he will ask the Father, and this blessing of the Holy Spirit given widely, given out, will come as a result of that. Now, fulfilling Psalms 110.1, Jesus has been seated at God's right hand, and from there has poured out this baptism of the Holy Spirit you are witnessing. That's Peter's final signpost to Jesus. And then he says this, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord 
and Messiah, Lord and Christ. That's the, that's the great moment in the sermon. Jesus, I mean, Peter has proved his point. I mean, he has laid out the fact pattern so that, so that uh, it's obvious. And now he brings it home. He makes, Peter makes the truth personal. On Tuesday or Wednesday, can't remember which day it was. Yodi probably remembers. I can't remember. I shoplifted over $100 worth of merchandise from Walmart. I walked all the way to my car. I opened my car door, and it really wasn't until I was going to put my merchandise in my car door that I said, how come I don't have any bags? <laughs> I am not kidding you. I, I had gathered all the stuff I was, I'm a hundred, over a hundred dollars. That night I Googled, what, what does it take to be a felony? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was okay on that, but still it would have been a misdemeanor. Uh, I shoplifted over a hundred dollars worth of stuff. I, I got all my stuff in a basket and then I went and bought uh, my prescriptions. And then when I had my prescriptions all paid for, I just walked out. Happy as a clam. Worse than that, when I'm walking back in to pay, you know, sheepishly, uh, of course, I run into one of my students. I was feeling so guilty. I confessed the whole thing to her, you know. I could have just said hi, but nope, I confessed it all right there. Hadn't seen her in two years. So I said, I just shoplifted. I remember, I mean, it's such a weird feeling. There I am at my car. I just, you know, that's when a general truth becomes a personal truth, right? And that's what Peter does in verse 36. He takes a general truth. Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament. Jesus did miracles. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus is the Christ. The general truth of that and bringing it home to say personally, what does that mean about you and your sins? That's what happens here. He makes the truth personal. And it has its intended effect. Look at how the crowd reacts, verse 37 through 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. That's that Joel, that's that last bit of the Joel prophecy. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Not everyone was ready to listen, but those who do are forgiven and added to the church. There were more than 3,000 that were there that day. 3,000 people heard what was said and more than heard it 
they took it to their own heart. And they realized, here is God reaching out to me to make everything that's wrong in my life right. And those who were willing to listen to what God had to say through the mouth of Peter that day, they were blessed with all the things Peter talked about. When they were baptized, they received the forgiveness of sins. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the context of Acts 2, it may be that the biggest blessing is intended to be they were added to the number of the church. Because Acts 2 is all about everything that's been scattered and made individual and separate and alone being brought together into this new thing. God's Holy Spirit, God's Holy breath, God's holy wind, sweeping up all that's alone and bringing it and making this new nation, this new kingdom, this called out community, this church, saying now in these people, messed up as they often are, I will make my dwelling on earth. Through these people, I will spread out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to all the parts of the earth and every nation and every language and every person on earth, I intend to claim through these people, my people, my church. Brothers and sisters, that's you. This message is to you. And to me, we are God's church, created by Jesus Christ, formed by God's spirit. We are still part of that grand mission to reach the world for Christ. If you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ to have your sins washed away, to, to, to have the Holy Spirit come into you and to begin your new life, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?